What's up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast live at Freedom Fest in South Dakota. I am sitting right here next to the one and only Spike Cohen. You probably know him because he was the vice presidential nominee for the Libertarian Party. Spike, how's Freedom Fest going so far? It's going amazing, Nate. Thanks so much for having me, man. Yeah, we, uh, you know, I saw your speech, uh, uh, I think, opening night. Yep. And I'll tell you what, I had to tweet. I had to tweet right after that, actually, while you were speaking. Uh, I said, every, every time I hear you speak, I have this renewed sense of hope for liberty. So first off, I just I want to ask, how the heck do you do what you do when you're speaking, man? <laughs> how do you do it? I don't know. I, you know. I've tried to deconstruct it, and I think it's just, I think the number one thing is I go out with my talking, my points that I want to make in a speech. You know, I have an idea. I knew I had 15 minutes to talk. So I said, okay, I'm going to talk about about five or six things. But I don't go out with an actual, like, prepared speech. Mm -hmm. And so what that allows me to do is it allows me to be in the moment about what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it allows me to be as excited about what I'm talking about as I actually am. Because no matter how excited you are about something, if you're giving a speech you're going to lose some in the translation because now you're acting. You're, yeah. you're not, you're, you're reading a prepared statement and doing it like this, but that's acting, right? Mm -hmm. That's voice acting. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it. But honestly, a big part of it is I am this optimistic and hopeful about the movement. I am seeing changes. I am going to places around the country and seeing people who are working in their communities to set people free and to bring people into the movement. And that makes me more excited than I could ever possibly be. What is it that gives you this optimism? You said you see people that yeah. are, that are really starting to care about this message and I don't see that. Unfortunately, you just get this echo chamber of uh, just terrible news all the time. Oh, from the news? Yeah. 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 Don't yeah. watch the news. <laughs> or if you do, only watch it enough to get a concept of what's happening and get it from multiple sources so that you're not getting just one like partisan or, uh, or you know, ideological view of what's happening. But in terms of like watching the news or consuming news or social media to figure out what's going on in the world, do not do that. Like, don't do that. Go talk with people, go meet with people because, you know, and it's not conceivable for most people to go around the country and meet people in person. But where I am doing that, I'm seeing a completely different story. Most people just want to live their lives. They just want to be left alone. They are worried about things like healthcare and education and the pandemic and everything else. And, but they, they, they themselves want to be left alone. And if we can harness that in people, and if we can show them that all the other problems they're worried about are as a direct result of other people not being left alone, and of, of central planning making things worse, then that's how we move ahead. And I'm seeing it happen time and time again in Ohio, in Tennessee, in, in, in Pennsylvania, and many other places that I've been. I'm seeing it over and over again where people are going out into their communities, doing outreach, working with other organizations, and bringing people into the liberty message by doing the works to show that we actually care about people and that we have the best solutions for the problems they're facing. Right now has to be the best time to get this message out there, right? We have people that on, on any side of the aisle or who aren't political whatsoever yeah. that have been affected in the last year. The, the last Acutely. year, the last year and Acutely a half affected. Yeah. has been something that I, even in my wildest dreams, I didn't think we would see. And it happened so fast. How did this happen so fast? And I mean, is this not the best time to get this out there to the people to bring them into the liberty movement? I believe it is. I believe, you know, I, I and this is the optimist in me. As tyranny worsens, 
Every day is yet a better day than the day before to talk to the people suffering under that tyranny about why that tyranny is creating the problems that they're that they're going through. Um, you know, I don't have to tell this crowd. I think that the people watching this that you know the pandemic was made exponentially worse by bad central planning. You know, policies that led to hospitals shutting down because they couldn't operate at a profit and they're furloughing most of their workers, so there's fewer less hospital intake. You know, people not being allowed to test for COVID uh, uh, for the first three, two or three uh, or month and a half to two months that the, the virus was here, shoving uh, patients into nursing homes under state directive, causing these gigantic, these like double digit death rates in some in some states, which was leading to the fear that led to the lockdowns. You said, how did we get here? We got here because people were scared and they were scared because that mismanagement by central planning of not letting healthcare workers do their damn job and save people's lives led to it being so much worse that people were like, do whatever you need to do. Right. And so that creates the conditions that we're now suffering under. So now that people are able to actually take a breath and look at it in a more sober way, more and more people are seeing the lockdowns were not only intrusive, total violation of your rights caused you know, irreparable or, or, or immeasurable harm to people's lives and, and livelihoods and, and financial outlooks, but it also didn't work. From what I hear, if it weren't for the government, then the health care would have been too expensive and no one would have been able to get anything yeah. anyway, yeah, you no, know? Yeah. So we had to have them in the in the system because uh, so many more people would have died, obviously, if they wouldn't have stepped in and did the things that they did. Yeah. How do we... How do we destroy that insane message that has obviously been disproven a million times? Well, the thing is, we destroy it with facts. But I think what happens often with libertarians, we tend to be, generally speaking, we tend to be a little bit more cerebral than the average person, just the average everyday normie. That's what got us here first, because we looked at things from a system, we systemized things. When we look at things, we don't just have the emotional reaction that people have of, oh, that's terrible or, oh, that's wonderful. We also have a reaction of saying, what caused that? Right. That's why we have so many engineers and scientists and, and, and people with that kind of mindset that are in the liberty movement is being economists and things like that, because we look at things in a systemic way. We go, what caused that? Oh, OK, that caused that. Let's not do that. So then when we're talking to the average person out there and they're saying, you know, I think healthcare is way too expensive. And, you know, I think that it's a human right and government should give it to us like some of these other countries do. We instead of hearing their actual concern, which is I don't want to end up in a hospital and being ruined financially for the rest of my life or my kids getting sick and being saddled with six figures in debt uh, because they aren't insured. Instead, what we're hearing is healthcare is a human right and it should be free, and we attack that. And so what that person that we're talking to or basically attacking is hearing is, I don't care about you, I just want to argue with you about policy. If we can connect with people and say, yes, this healthcare system sucks, we also don't want to end up in a hospital and lose everything financially as a result. We also don't want people to go, uh, you know, to have a chronic health issue and not be able to get the help they need on a regular basis because they can't afford it and they can't get insured for it. When we show that we care about it, then we can go into that next step of explaining how things like certificate of need laws and patent protections for big pharma and cost plus legislation, something that isn't talked about nearly enough, uh, cost plus legislation and just the bureaucracy in, in, inherent in the insurance system that was imposed on us by the federal government in the first place. The fact that 30 percent of every dollar that's spent in healthcare is going to some kind of tax or fee related to government and central planning. This is what drives up the cost of healthcare. But first, we have to meet them where we are and empathize with them. Then we can show them that we understand what's going on. Are you saying that cost plus legislation doesn't make things cheaper? Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I look, okay, so let's talk about this. By the way, I, I wasn't swearing there. I was invoking. <laughs> Jesus, so, help us. Help us. Take the wheel. Yes. No. Um, so <laughs> when it comes to cost plus, for those who don't know what cost plus, thank you for letting me delve <laughs> into that a little bit. It's the stupidest thing. So cost plus. 
is the idea that the problem with the cost of healthcare is that there's too much profit in it, right? And so if you just tell people, if you just tell the hospitals and the healthcare providers, well, you can only charge a percent more than you're paying for the product or service, then that'll make it cheaper because they can't profit as much, right? There's no way that they could game that. There's no way that I, as a doctor who is trying to figure out how to make sure I'm getting everyone paid and still put money in my pocket and pay off my student loans and everything else, there's no way that I figure that instead of buying this saline bag, IV bag, for a dollar and being able to make 10 cents off of it, that instead I could buy this saline bag for $300 and make $30 profit off of it and know that I can charge that much because I'm not charging the patient directly most of the time. I'm charging a multi-billion dollar insurance pool that's required by law to, <laughs> to pay it. There's no way I would do that, right? There's no way that when would happen. When you say it that way, it sounds perfectly rational. <laughs> this cost plus is probably I would say possibly the single biggest contributor to the spiraling out of control cost of especially hospital services. It is a direct result of all of the providers going, oh yeah, we don't want you to make too much profit on our $700 you know, IV uh, uh, catheter or whatever. Like, I mean, the, the things they're charging are as a direct, it's like what government, government is under cost plus. Government. They're contractors. They can only charge a certain percent more than they cost. And that's how you end up with a $23,000 hammer. So they took that amazing economic uh, uh, prospect uh, policy and moved it to the healthcare sector. And wonder of wonder, now hospital services cost a fortune. You also mentioned just a, a minute on this, you mentioned the CON laws, the certificate of need oh, laws, God. which is literally constricting the supply. Of uh, so my, my I'll, the people on our podcast have heard us talk about this a lot. My wife spent a year trying to get uh, HCA to get permission from the government to be able to build a new building. They call it freestanding ED. They spent a year in court because their competition was challenging their permit in court. They paid her and about a hundred other people for a year to try and get this permit. By the time they were gonna start the building, they were already minus 10, 20 million dollars on it. And they weren't even allowed to build it yep. at the end of that. Yep. So that price went into everything else that they charged yep, yep, at, yep. for at the hospital. They wanted to add a new and MRI not, machine yep. a few years ago yep. before Tennessee changed this. Yep, they yep, they yep. allow you to do it now. Wanted to add a new MRI. No, they can't do that because this hospital over here has an MRI. And so you can't have another MRI machine. We don't need this other MRI. Yep, Why yep. can't they just add another freaking MRI machine? Yeah, well, be, because the cronies have won, right? Yeah. Imagine if every time a new grocery store opened, Walmart took them to court and said, no, 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 we already got a store here. You're good. And they could, and they could charge. They could, they could spend hundreds of millions of dollars in court stopping these other competitors from coming in. And so now the only place you can go for food is Walmart. You think you get a lot of really good values? Do you think you'd still save money and live better at Walmart? No, of course not. That's what they've done in healthcare in almost every state. And this is, I mean, gosh, you really want to get into some stupid wonkiness. This is based on the completely disproven and debunked theory that the reason we need certificate of need laws, that the reason that healthcare costs are so high, well, it's because they're spending so much on new stuff. And when you increase the supply, that money that's being spent on increasing that supply, that's got to be that's got to be bought somewhere. So that's definitely got to that someone's got to pay that. That's definitely going to make prices go up. There's no way that increasing supply leads to prices going down. That's foolish. This is and 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 this proof this is a perfect example of why central planning sucks. Had the market tested this out and it failed completely, they would have immediately changed gears because it would be hurting their bottom lines.
but because it's the government doing it, you've got to get politicians to admit that they were wrong, which means you basically got to wait for all of them to die <laughs> and a new generation of politicians to come in and go, all right, yeah, I guess that wasn't a good idea. And then maybe you might get a pass because then is there the political will to do it? Is there enough of a lobby group that's willing to fight to do it? Do you have a bunch of cronies paying you millions of dollars to your coffers to make sure it never goes away because they're making billions off of it and you're the one paying for all of that? Like you said, all of that hospital and, and, and healthcare uh, lobby money that's going into restricting healthcare at the, through these types of laws, that's you're paying for that when you get health care. You are paying for lobbying efforts to to restrict supply to the health care services that you need, which inherently also makes the price go up. You're paying to make the price go up. If, you know, we talked about the new building they wanted to build, and if you wanted to go a level deeper, we could talk about the Imtala laws because the oh, reason gosh. the reason they want that new building, say, for instance, like a, a freestanding surgery center, if that doctor is located at the hospital and someone comes into the ER, he's required to go in and perform surgery yep. and might never get paid for it. Yep, he's yep, not yep. an employee of the hospital. Mm -hmm. He's contracted through a, through a, a provider. And so he's going to go perform the surgery and maybe never get paid for it because you have to do it. So now what they do is they build a separate building that doesn't have an ER unit in it. So he can actually bring people over to that. That's the same reason you have the freestanding, the, the, the um, imaging centers yep. and all that. Because yep. if someone comes in, then they have to take care of that when you go through the hospital. And so because of that, which is meant to protect all of us, of course. Of course. Because of that, we Don't have... Don't you feel safe? We have, <laughs> 10, we have 10 new buildings that are disconnected from the hospital yeah. because if, if they were connected, then they would be required to provide all of those to you at, at potentially uh, free of charge. And what cost do you think all those new buildings add onto exactly. the entire cost of healthcare? And, and if these big crony companies need more land for all these new freestanding buildings, that's all right. They'll just use eminent domain through their proxy, the government, steal the land from you, pennies on the dollar, and build it. <laughs> So no problem for them. I guess at least you don't have to pay extra for that because they just steal someone's land for it. So there's the silver lining there. But this is what central planning does mm -hmm. in healthcare, in education, in infrastructure, in policing, in everything, in every single thing when government gets their hooks on it. And it's not because of th this party's bad or this politician's bad. It's because of the system itself. When you have a system that is financed by extortion and enforced not by merit or by value, but by threats and violence, they don't have to actually work. If I had a company, if we, if we open, me and Nate, we open Nate and Spike's Chicken Shack, okay? And our model for Nate and Spike's Chicken Shack is anyone who dares to walk anywhere near our store, we point a gun in their face and say, give me all the money in your wallet. And we get all the money and we go, this entitles you to X number of chicken sandwiches over the next month. Great job, everyone. And then, and then they come in and they try to get their chicken sandwiches. Do you think those sandwiches are going to be good? Do you think that we're going to have any need at all whatsoever to make sure that people are getting their sandwiches in a timely fashion or that they're not poisonous, much less tasty? Uh, <laughs> is there any reason to think that that's going to work out well? No, because it's extortion. We've removed the entire profit motive and incentive of providing value that makes us have to provide more value than the money we're receiving in exchange. That's how the entire world works. Every single person or organization on earth, except for the government or its cronies that are attached to it, like now the healthcare sector, are expected to provide more value than the money they're receiving or else they won't get any money and their competitors will. This is why central planning always fails. It's by the very nature of how it exists. And that's the problem that we're facing. Yeah, what people don't realize is that profit makes things cheaper. 
Yes. They think it's the complete opposite. But allowing profit makes things cheaper, yes. more efficient. It helps the most people. And the great thing is, you were talking about how people were scared. A lot of people, you'd say on the left, they're driven maybe by just, say, their emotions for wanting to help people. Yep. And the good thing is, we've actually got the best way to help people, yep. which is to get the government out of the way. We've got the best emotional argument, actually, which is that the policies that we've seen over the last year, over the last hundred years, actually hurt more people than they help. Destroy lives. They actually kill people, not like Facebook, but they actually kill... Sorry, Joe Biden said that Facebook was killing people. <laughs> like actually um, killing yeah, people. No, they actually Not hashtag people killing people. They take force, they have a monopoly on violence, and no. they restrict other people from being able to help you, and then they lead to deaths that might not have otherwise happened. They can actually kill people. That's why this is so important, and we've got to be able to make those arguments, because that is the biggest emotional argument. Not that I think it should all be done based on emotions, yep. but you've got to be able to win some people over and make these points. Yep. Think of, if you're in the liberty movement, more than likely that aha moment that brought you here had an emotional undertone to it, right? It was someone speaking passionately about something. Uh, I know a lot of people were brought in by hearing what Ron Paul said during the debates. I've talked to quite a few people who said they were brought in by something that, you know, Gary Johnson said in a debate, or uh, I've had, there's, you know, in the last few months, I've had people tell me there's things they've heard me say uh, on Kennedy or on a podcast or on a show or, or in a speech or whatever. It connected with them. Many other people, they come to the movement because of something that happened to them, you know, uh, being, uh, you know, uh, victimized by the criminal justice system, veterans who, you know, saw what, what working for the government is like firsthand overseas. Um, and they had emotional experiences as a result of that. Most of us did not, there are very few second generation or third generation libertarians, people that have always been libertarian. We all got here somewhere else. And we all have those cringy things we were, I know I do, I was a neocon, you know? I, I was watching Ion Hirsi Ali yesterday and I'm like, man, I remember when I agreed with her. And the thing is, we need to give people a little bit of grace when they're saying dumb stuff that we sometimes used to say too, or similar things that we used to say appeal to and not it's not pandering it's listening to what they're saying demonstrating that we care about their legitimate concern about whatever it is healthcare housing whatever it is and once we've made that connection and show that we actually care about them then we're able to take this next step you know this is a, a old sales and marketing stuff you show that you care then you show that you understand better than anyone else you know what caused this and then from there you can build the solution feel felt found this is basic sales 101 stuff and when you do this you can at the very least it's not like everyone's going to instantly go oh wow i'm a libertarian but th that happens too but you're gonna have a lot of people that'll go yeah, you know, I still think healthcare should be free, but no, you did make some good points. At the very least, you've shown them that libertarians aren't these monsters who want to take away their government and replace it with the magic hand or whatever the hell they thought we said. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we say invisible hand, which sounds like we're going to take your healthcare and replace it with magic if they don't know what that means, right? So, but they'll say, oh, well, even if I disagree with them, they get it. And they made some good points. You've planted seeds now, and their subconscious has to reconcile that every time the news just doesn't line up with what they intuitively understood to begin with at the first time. So that, that's how you make those connections. Just watch Inception and then do, and then do that yes. after that. You know, you just got to plant the seed in there. Yes, okay, the Spike, what is next for you other than Spike and Nate's Nashville Hot Chicken Shack? What is uh, next on, on We're going to make so much freaking money on the chicken shack. <laughs> Hide your families because the chicken shack is coming to your...
<laughs> your neighborhood. Um, so immediate next, uh, next weekend I will be in Hampton Roads, Virginia. Uh, I'm doing an event with the Libertarian Party of Hampton Roads on the Friday the 30th. And then on the 31st, on Saturday, uh, the Concerned Veterans of America uh, is doing an event uh, in Virginia Beach. Uh, I'll be speaking at that. They're, uh, doing, they're also doing an event uh, uh, earlier. They're doing a, a walk and run, a 2.2K walk and run for the uh, commemorating the 22 veterans that commit suicide uh, on average every day. And um, I'll be speaking at the, at the main event there. And uh, if you want to keep up with all the stuff I'm doing, go to SpikeCohen.com. There's an event section. We keep it updated. Uh, I'm going to be all over the place. I, I rarely am home. And uh, <laughs> if I'm anywhere near where you are or you want to come out and see me, come on out. Ask any questions you have. I love answering questions. I love talking with folks. Uh, come on out and see me. SpikeCohen.com. Follow me on social media. Follow me on uh, Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube. I'm on, I'm on TikTok for the kids. Um, and, uh, you know, follow me and, uh, and uh, be happy to meet you. And, yeah, and, and, and Spike and Nate, Nate and Spike's Chicken Shack dot gov is coming and uh <laughs> it's, it's gonna be it's not gonna be good chicken but we're gonna make a no, fortune that's the great we don't really have to worry about at providing all. good service it's gonna arguably yeah. not be chicken that oh, we're serving you even need to be chicken. i don't know what we're gonna serve you but it's gonna be terrible but we're gonna make a fortune it's amazing and frankly chicken sandwiches are a human right folks so <laughs> we're just doing our part spike thank you so hey, much man. for your time thank today you man for having me. <laughs>